0: it wasn't pretty it sure wasn't perfect but man i gotta tell you i will take how that game was won every day and sunday and yeah Monday night, too. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning, Pittsburgh. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Steelers 26, Browns 22. Sounds just like from the score that this would have been a really nice bounce back for everybody. It wasn't. The offense was awful, atrocious, but the defense was the polar opposite of that. And within that, the edge rushers, in particular, T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, and even within that, T.J., just T.J., going off as he so often does in a divisional game because he was born to be An AFC North player. Sack for seven yards. Four tackles. couple of quarterback hits. Tackle for a loss. Fumble recovery. The winning touchdown (laughs) off of that fumble recovery. Not to take anything at all away from Highsmith. Finished with seven tackles. A sack of his own. That was the strip sack that led to the fumble recovery. Tackle for loss of his own, two quarterback hits of his own, a pass defensed, a fumble recovery, a pick six on Cleveland's first snap of the game. This tandem, my friends, is the best in the National Football League. And it's so good that it can overcome a soft middle to that defense that we saw getting exposed by Nick Chubb before his most unfortunate injury, and whatever that offense was doing out there. On top of all that, TJ made history. By recording that sack and passing, James Harrison had only to break a tie with him, did so in style, celebrated in style, with a kick to the sky, crowd going berserk, Actual Steelers fans back in the stadium again. Here's what TJ had to say about breaking the record. I mean, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't special. Um, just like anything, it it has it hasn't set in. I don't know if it will until. Um, have time to really sit down and process what just happened tonight but uh there's so many people along the way that have helped me get to where I am um it's no I can't stand the individual awards of football because there's just I mean Debo himself helped me so much my rookie year um he didn't have to uh no one asked him to but he wanted to help me and I appreciate him for that um so many of my teammates uh coaches mentors my brothers um my wife's support my parents I mean there's just so many people that go into it that uh it's Not myself out there making the plays. I mean, there's just, I can't take all the credit. Here's the thing, you guys. He's still in his prime. He beat a record of James Harrison's that it took Debo a while to build up all those sacks. And Debo, of course, was a bit of a late bloomer. But what TJ's done, it's got no ceiling still. He can still be that much greater. In my eyes, he's already a top three all-time defensive player for these Steelers, along with Mean Joe Green and Troy Polamalu, and that is with great respect for Rod Woodson and countless other guys in the 70s. But what has me going on this particular morning after is that he doesn't just... Uh, figuratively run up the score against, you know, the Falcons or whoever. He gets it done against the divisional rivals in the six games that matter the most all year, in the six snarliest, most physical, and as we saw again last night, most dangerous games that they play. Know who doesn't do that? Yeah, you knew I'd get here, didn't you? I never, ever, 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 ever want to hear again, anybody, anywhere, compare TJ to Miles Garrett. They are not the same player. They are not the same level of player. TJ is the best defensive player on the planet. Now, I know Nick Bosa got DPOY last year. Bosa had a wonderful year. Bosa started off slow. That was kind of understandable. He was going against the Steelers, paying somewhat special attention to him, and he was super rusty. Showed up, as everybody remembers from last week, a couple days before the game. Hadn't even practiced since January. Whatever. That's his problem. That's the Niners' problem. Garrett comes into this one off of a strong performance in Cincinnati. To his credit, they're also in the division. In fact, they're favored to win the division. He was even doing some dancing and showboating. You saw that Allen Iverson crossover dribble that he did before one of his sacks. And yet again, against the Steelers, the Browns' arch nemesis, he did nothing. One tackle, one quarterback hit, otherwise invisible. And against this miserable offense that failed to connect on half of its passes, that failed to produce more than a yard on half of its rushing attempts, that had Kenny Pickett scrambling all over creation again, he, Garrett, still was a great big fat zero. So, yeah, because I have this in my DNA, I looked up, After the game last night, while I was still at the stadium, Garrett's all-time statistics against the Steelers. In 11 games played, he's had 7 total sacks, 34 total tackles, 8 tackles for loss, 16 quarterback hits, and 3 forced fumbles. I gotta tell you, for a starting NFL edge rusher, never mind one of his reputation, whether that's been falsely built up or not, that's just a guy. That's not even good. That's pretty much mediocre. Malik Reed could pull off these numbers. If you want me to put that into a more painful perspective for you. Don't speak that name in the same sentence as that of Trent Jordan Watt. Because in Pittsburgh, we're watching one of the truly great careers, not just in Pittsburgh football history, but I believe in the National Football League by the time it's all done. It is a joy to watch him performing at his peak again. He's healthy. He's happy. He's having fun out there. He's flying to the football. He's making mayhem. And he is the little bit of help from his fellow edge rusher on the other side pretty much the only thing that has your team at 500 right about now when we come back j1q this segment of daily shot is brought to you by our good friends at mike's beer bar they're located on federal street directly across from pnc park mike has more than 500 beers on tap including from more than 50 local breweries stop in and say hello tell mike we sent you mike's beer bar The law firm of Edgar Snyder and Associates has joined forces with Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback, Kenny Pickett, to make a difference in the community. They're supporting Connecting Champions, a local charity that asks pediatric cancer patients, what's your passion, and connects them to mentors who give these young patients an identity outside of their diagnosis. You can learn more about what Edgar Snyder & Associates and Kenny Pickett are doing in the community by visiting edgarsnyder.com slash giving back again that's edgarsnyder.com slash giving back and today's J1Q comes from Brandon and it's on exactly the subject that you knew it would be Brandon says hey DK How can we go on with this offense for 15 more games? Do the Steelers themselves believe that it's not solely a Matt Canada issue? Thanks for all the content. Thanks for the the cue, Brandon. And uh, look, I'm not tap dancing around that subject. I've got a full written column on DK Pittsburgh Sports this very morning calling publicly. Again, for the firing of Matt Canada. He could be fired. He should be fired on the basis of that third and one nonsense alone. And you know what I'm talking about. That double fake handoff, everybody tripping over each other and Kenny ultimately falling flat on his face. Look, the quarterback has not been good. That's a concern. That's real. Separate that. For the purposes of this conversation, because both things can be true that the quarterback and the coordinator are bad. Kenny's making bad passes. He's making bad decisions. And in general, he's just looking bad. There's not a, there's not a good vibe with him when he takes the field. But the coordinator can't hide behind that. The coordinator is the one who designs the plays, who calls the plays, who throws a third and down toss backward to Najee Harris, and you're going, what? Who throws a sideways, uh, what was that, a screen to Pat Fryermuth? Against a defense that the entire planet knows is weak in the middle, is weak in the very soft spots that you saw George Pickens and Kenny, to their credit, exploiting. Every time George made one of those plays, including the 70-yarder, it was right in that area. You know who was never sent there? The tight ends, plural. This is a bad coordinator, and unlike Kenny, who's younger and growing and is bound to have some mistakes, or maybe he's just really not that good. I'm not going to rule out any of these possibilities. I happen to believe in the young man. I happen to believe he's going to show everybody that he's a legit starting NFL quarterback. But I could also end up being wrong. Not with his coordinator. Sorry. This is now year four for him. He's had a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's had this quarterback. He's had lots of different weapons. He's had tons of money invested in the offensive line. He's got a first-round running back, a first-round quarterback, pretty much anything that you would want as a coordinator in the NFL, except a clue, except creativity, except any. Any even casual, accidental sense for when to adjust things. Last night at around 11.30 p.m., the crowd, this was over to my right of the press box. I was told by some people who would shoot me some information later who were sitting there that it was Section 226 that got it going. There was a very loud and very together Fire Canada chant. Now, it didn't exactly spread through the entire stadium. And these are people as I suspected initially, but then would later confirm that were also Penguins fans. And for those of you who don't follow the local NHL franchise, the fans of that team last spring popped off on Ron Hextall, the general manager who was just Doing the dumbest things. And they felt helpless. They felt like upper management or ownership were not going to do anything about it. So they voiced their frustration. And you know what? Whether it had anything to do with it or not, a month later, Hextall was sent packing. Because as I've told you guys, just me and you talking to you many, many times, people like me, I have a, a, you know, a, a big platform. I have a voice in the community. I'm really, really lucky to have that and grateful for it. But they don't listen to me the way they listen to you. You're going to have to take my word for that. To them, I'm just a, you know, a guy who's, you know, making some noise. I'm doing whatever it is that I have to do to get, I don't know, listens or clicks or downloads or whatever they think is my nefarious motive. But you, you're a paying customer. You're sitting in those yellow seats. And they hear you. They don't hear you through some third party. They don't hear you described by somebody as the public is angry. You're not some talk show caller. You're not some anonymous avatar on a message board. You're there. You're in the seats. You are within earshot. Anybody who didn't hear you chanting Fire Mat Canada, you can damn well better believe they're going to learn about it over the course of the week. That stuff makes a difference. It makes an impact. Needless to say, I've got a ton more to say about this offense. I interviewed guys from both sides of the ball trying to keep it even last night because I knew that As much as the defense earned its praise, as much as the football team as a whole legitimately earned the W, they do play together. This offense is a real problem, and it's not going to go away. And it's likely, more ominously, not going to go away until Canada does. At least that'd be a start. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Sealers. We will do another one of these tomorrow.